1: If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help.
0: One
2: heart at a time.
1: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome to The Inner Life here on this Wednesday. And, uh, hey, Jim, my talkback is open there. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to this Inner Life for a Wednesday. Hope you're having a great day so far. And as we begin the program today, when you were young in elementary school, what books were you required to read? Were there any that you remember from your early years, uh, maybe third, fourth, fifth grade, somewhere around that time in your life? What was that book that was maybe something that really stuck with you? And what made it good? What, What made it stand out for you? I had a number of books that I remember reading and enjoying when I was little. Uh, One of the ones were all doll, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, a classic there. You know, they've had a couple movies made about that. Um, I'll just simply say that the Gene Wilder movie is the only one you should ever watch. You should never watch the other one. Uh, I also really enjoyed this book called The Castle in the Attic. Um, I don't know if this was one of my favorite books, but another one that I read in school, when I was probably about third or fourth grade. Where the Red Fern Grows. And this is a children's novel about a 10-year-old boy named Billy. And Billy, he lives in the Ozarks, and he wants nothing more in the world than to simply own a pair of dogs, specifically a couple of red-bone coonhounds for hunting raccoons there in the woods. And he saves his money, and he's able to buy a couple of pups, and he ends up naming them Little Ann and old Dan. And if you have read this story, you're familiar with it. Well, there's this one scene in it, though. Right after he's bought the dogs and he's walked back home with them, he has, I think it's like a 20-mile walk that he has to he has to take to go get them and then bring them back home. And then he wants to start training them to hunt raccoons. And to train little Ann and old Dan to hunt, Billy needs a raccoon hide. He needs something to be able to train them with. But How does he get a raccoon hide when his dogs don't actually know how to hunt raccoons? Well, his grandfather helps him. And Billy's grandfather says, we're going to design this trap so you can catch a raccoon. And the basic idea of the trap is to find an old fallen tree or something that has a small hollow hole in it. Uh, If it's the tree, it's where the branch broke off. And then Billy is going to take and he's going to place this some sort of shiny object, nothing, nothing big, you know, might be a piece of foil, something like that. Place a shiny object down in the hole where a raccoon can see it. And then after that, Billy's going to take a handful of nails and he's going to hammer them around the edge of that hole in the fallen tree with all those nail points that are kind of angled down and pointing towards the center making this really tight little circle. And it would only leave enough space in the center of those nails for the raccoon to slide his paw through and reach for that shiny object down at the bottom of the hole. And so how does this trap work? Well, when the raccoon grasps that shiny little bobble, whatever it is, down in the hole, his paw, when he grabs it, it's in the shape of a fist. And unlike that open paw, which he could extend in a slim shape to slide down between those nails, His fist then holding on to that shiny object, it would be too big to pull up and try and get back out of the hole. All of those nails then poke down around that closed paw, that closed fist, and he'd be trapped. And you might think, well, the raccoon can just let go of that shiny prize and be on his way. But Billy's grandfather, he reassures Billy, he says, Raccoons, once they get hold of that little shiny treasure, they won't let let go of it. They don't want to let go of it. They want to keep on holding, and they'll keep holding on and trying to pull it out, even if they're stuck there for hours, maybe even days. And so that's how Billy gets his first raccoon. That's how he's able to train little Ann and old Dan. Now, I know when I read through this part of Where the Red Fern Grows, even as a young child, I was kind of shaking my head at the thought of this raccoon stuck there because it wouldn't give up that shiny object in the hole. This stupid little raccoon, right? You're so stubborn that you'd rather starve or even die rather than let go of that one little object. And you can probably see where I'm going with this, right? Sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we can be a stupid raccoon. We can get so focused on what we want. We might even think that what we want is actually something we absolutely need. And we're so absorbed with it that we don't realize how holding on to it might put us at risk. We might be in true peril in serious danger, both spiritually and physically. Just because we don't have our metaphoric pause, we won't let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to so tightly, and we're so focused on that, we don't see that danger that's looming behind us. We have to be willing to surrender those things in our life that are holding us back from really living the fullest and best life that we can. Surrender. That's the topic that we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life. And joining us as our spiritual director today as we look at how we can surrender our lives to God, surrender our wills, surrender all those things that we hold on to. Uh, Father Matthew Witter is joining us once again here on The Inner Life. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's the parochial vicar of St. John Newman, St. William's, St. Joseph, and St. Mary's parishes in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Father Matthew, so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today. Uh, did you ever read the, Where the Red Fern Grows when you were a child? I'm
3: sad to say I haven't. I, I've heard of it. I, I have, I've forgot it, but that, that was a great, great illustration, great image. I'll
0: have to look it up. Yeah, it, it's it's a great read, and uh, I know they've had a couple, at least a couple of movies made about it as well. But I'm sure um, I, I I know I saw an old one, might have been made somewhere back in the 1970s when I was a kid. I saw that one, but um, of course, I'm sure the book is better. So if if you're yeah. going to look it up, I know the movie's easier, but I'd recommend okay. the book, Father. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So today, as we're talking about that concept of surrendering our lives. I think for many of us, you know, if if we have been Christians, been Catholics for any amount of time, one of the most obvious images of surrendering our will to following the leading of God is where we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's there And he's got his disciples, the the apostles, they can't even stay awake. He's praying. He knows everything that's ahead of him, the suffering, the humiliation, the betrayal, the denial, all those different things. And he's praying to the Father, saying, If this is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And this kind of mantra, not my will, but your will, God, it's it's something that we really need to live not just in regards to surrendering our lives to God, but really in all areas of our lives. We want to have that God. I want Your will to be done.
3: That's 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 exactly it. And and as you you mentioned, Josh, that that image of Jesus in the agony in the garden, at the agony in the garden. There's probably. There aren't many scripture passages that that cut right into the heart to really put ourselves within that. Of course, we meditate on it and in the, the sorrowful mysteries, but just Jesus' word, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. And and isn't that the truth? We know for God, all things are possible. Jesus knew it more than anyone, and so that Jesus puts that out there. It's it's a it's a plea from the heart, even using the word Abba. You know that that sense of daddy and that that sense of that intimacy. You know, all things are possible. That that great truth. And then, then, then the, the reality, then the reality of the situation—that that you know, Jesus' humble prayer of surrender, not my will, but Thy will be done—and a prayer of surrender not just for Jesus, but also uh, for the Father. You know, in in, in surrendering Christ uh, to the to the to the Passion—and and so we we see so much in there—and and, and so often we find ourselves perhaps in our own agony in the garden, in one way or the other, where throughout our lives we seek to, to hold on. We, we don't seek to, to truly say, Thy will be done. We want to hold on to the control as much as possible. And, and many times it's in the midst of a, an illness or the, the death of a loved one or, or you know, the crisis with a, with a job or discernment where we you know, many times are brought to our knees and, Lord, I surrender. I give up my will, whatever you want.
0: Yeah, well, and that, as you're talking about that giving over that control where we want to try and be in control, it brings to mind that we really have to trust God. You know, we we all do like to be in control, and when we surrender ourselves to Christ, we have to work at letting go of that control. And, you know, even as I'm saying that, I think there's many times that We think we're in control when in all reality, we're just mainly holding on to this illusion that we're in control, you know, that 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 we can be in charge of the things in our lives. But if we if we realize that's that really most of the time is an illusion, that might be a good first step to saying, you know, (laughs) I need to live in reality and not have this false notion, this false sense that. I can actually control all the things that are happening in my life.
3: You're right. That's a, that's a great image. The illusion that we do have a sense of control in this last year, year and a half, has, has shown that, uh, you know, it has hopefully made a dent in some of the illusions we have in some way. But but also what you said, Josh, the sense of to trust God, to trust God, because it's it's hard to surrender to someone that we might not, that we perhaps don't truly, fully Know and love. It's hard to surrender and to hard to know that that God is going to take care of me in the midst of a difficult time. If we don't love the Father, if we don't if we don't love the Father, and so that's that's the first step of, of surrender is 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 like you said to trust God to have. A, 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 it's, many times we have father wounds where we we have a you know maybe a, we're close to Jesus but we're, we're far from the Father. Um, works differently for different people many times in the spiritual life, but. We can't love, we can't trust who we don't know. And so we pray that's part of the, the sense of surrender, the first step to trust God uh, and trusting God to, to love God. It's hard to trust someone that we, that does, that we don't trust <laughs> loves us, perhaps.
0: Well, and if somebody is listening today and they're hearing you talk about this, you know, it's hard to surrender to somebody that we don't love and we don't trust. If there is that difficulty there, if I'm listening and I say, Father, I, I want that. I want to be able to trust, and I want to love God more. I want to have that pure love that allows me to trust, but I'm really finding this to be a difficulty in my life. I'm really having, like you say, maybe there's uh, you know, some abuse or some neglect or something that happened with my earthly father, and that has cast such a shadow on that image, that role, that ideal of what God the Father should be for us. What are some good ways that maybe we could approach this and say, okay, yeah, this might be difficult, but here's maybe some baby steps you can take so that you can open yourself up more to, to experience that genuine love, to experience that genuine tr- trust.
3: Yep, we're made, our hearts are made to, to love God, to know God. Our hearts naturally know that there's something above ourselves. We naturally have this, this love of God within ourselves. And you're right that so often there's different things that come in, different wounds that we experience through life, whether it's abuse, whether it's through neglect, whether it's through feeling abandoned, feeling a sense of shame about something that's, that's happened to us, our own sinfulness. It comes in and it, and it warps the love of God. And then instead of seeking to live within the love of God, we, we seek to kind of rely on ourselves. We rely on ourselves instead of relying on God, or we live. From those those areas of of woundedness, instead of from God's love, we we live from our our false identity that's that's been found in in sinfulness, in in our own shame, in our own brokenness, in our own trauma, in our own unforgiveness of times. And so, the the first one of the first steps is is like we mentioned before to trust God. We've got to know God. But then, what are the what are the things that have in, in my past? What are the experiences that I've had that have that have kind of warped my sense of love, and that'd be the next step to to kind of take an inventory, and you know, where am I relying on myself? Uh, where am I kind of drawing strength from myself? Which is pride um, versus versus relying on on the true, pure love of of Jesus.
0: Well, and you mentioned pride there, and going back to that image of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, if we're going to say. God, not my will, but your will be done in my life, um, this is really a moment where if I have that opposite reaction, if, if I say, I want my will to be done over yours, God, that's that moment where that sin of pride, it digs its hooks deeper into my life. And pride is, you know, it's one of it's, it's basically the chief of, of the sins. You know, it's the reason that Satan became Satan, because of that sin of pride. I want things for me rather than for God, or I want what I want, I don't want what God wants. My will is more important. So that pride getting in the way there, that, that's a key—it's something that's so important to know, and that knowledge then can help us so that we can avoid that pitfall uh, you know if if we're not aware of it then we're just kind of walking around with blinders on
3: yeah, blinders exactly blinders to to the that sense you know, the scripture says you know seek you know what is above we get caught in what's right in front of us in seeing the spiritual reality of 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 our of our, of our identity and, and, that, and that's so important. We, we think of pride. We think of the Blessed Mother Mary in, in the Magnificat, and, and what does Mary exclaim in those beautiful prophetic words? You know, God has, has scattered the proud and lifted up the lowly. God has scattered the proud and, and lifted up the lowly. And so, when we when we place ourselves in a, in a sense of humility, recognizing you know, there is a God, it's not me. You know, God can lift us up. But when we when we lift ourselves up, voom, Instead of lifting up, we we, we take a nosedive. You know, we don't have a parachute to, to, to pull in that sense without, without God. And so it's, it's that, that walk of the, the spiritual life and, and just where are, the, where are the parts of my life that I'm through? perhaps, even sometimes no fault of my own, I'm relying on myself. I'm even controlling certain relationships and holding on to grudges instead of surrendering to the freedom that Christ wishes to, to, to give us.
0: Yeah, you know, and you're talking about that, trying to identify those areas of our lives. If we are oblivious to something that we're holding on to, what's a good way to be able to realize that, to actually say, oh, I didn't know that I was holding on to this, trying to control it or trying to, you know, make it— Something that I still was holding on to in my life. How how do we identify those areas if we're if we're just not aware of them right now?
3: I think a starting point is is to look at parts of our life where we'll say there's a great um, great Catholic um, psychologist named Dr. Bob Schutz. Wonderful book, Be Healed, and he talks about what I'm kind of sharing right now. But in those areas, what he kind of lifts up is there's certain vows that we make. So, you know, for example, a couple getting married, they make they make vows that are public. Everyone can see them. Everyone knows they made those those vows public. It's known. There are other vows that we make that are that are very private. And it's just before it's just in my mind. You know, so for example, let's say someone says something to us that that offended us or hurt us. In our mind, we might say, you know what, I'm never going to talk to that person again, or I'm never going to talk to this person about that. Um, all of a sudden, we've made kind of a vow within our within our heart, within our soul, within our mind that closes off a particular area. And there are there are times for for boundaries and, and things like that, but especially in the relationships that are that are closest. You know, sometimes with the pain after after a funeral, after burying a child or burying a loved one, we'll say, "Well, I I can never go back into that church again after this." And we just examples, but we make we make vows where we say, you know. I never, or I always. <laughs> many times, there's something between that where we've kind of taken control of something. And we're holding on to something that needs to be let go. So maybe a long answer, but wherever we, wherever we find those spots where we have made, kind of quiet vows, just between ourselves, no one else knows. Usually, that's a, a like a tender spot within our with our own heart that God wants to to touch with his his
0: mercy. Sure. Yeah. And that I never or I always that you're talking about there, yep. I never want to go there again, or I always yep. want to do this. Uh, at that point, you're speaking in absolutes. And of course, there are certain absolutes in life. But when we're talking about some of those areas where we want to have control, yeah, that, that's, that's probably uh, a <laughs> dangerous territory when we get into some of those absolutes there
3: yep yep whenever it, whenever it gets to an absolute and whenever we then kind of close off we we build more or less a wall over our heart. we build a wall over our heart and and whenever there's a wall that puts up a wall is put up it it protects us you know sometimes when we do those absolute it protects us from maybe the source of pain, but it never allows true healing to take place and so there's there 's a wound within ourselves then that's that's crying out for help, and then what it 's doing is even though we think we 've got it buried it's perhaps influencing how we're relating to others and and relating to God.
0: Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, and we're talking about surrendering our lives, our will, our intellect, everything, every part of ourselves, surrendering over that to God. When have you been able to surrender an area of your life so that you could love and serve God more fully? What was the hardest part of surrendering your will? And as you look back, What's been the best thing that you, you've, you've gained in your life from surrendering what maybe you originally wanted, what you were trying to hold on to in your life? Our studio line is 888 914 9149, 888 914 9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking about how we can surrender our lives to God here in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
1: If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. We're talking about how we can surrender our lives over to God. And when have you been able to surrender your life, maybe an area, a specific area of your life, so that you could love and serve God in a better way? And what was the hardest part of surrendering that part of your life? And what's been the best part? What have you gained by being able to surrender over what you originally wanted to hold onto in your life, how has it helped you grow closer to Christ? Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-914-9. And, Father, right before the break, we had been talking about uh, pride being one of those main areas that can uh, just show rear its head as we are trying to surrender our lives, different aspects of what we are holding on to. Along with pride, are there other obstacles out there that we should be aware of, things we should look out for as we're trying to give up that control and live out that surrender?
3: Yeah, pride pride can kind of manifest itself in in different ways and in different sins and different actions that we take. Sometimes the, 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 our pride kind of manifests itself in the pride of intellect, you know, I'm going to be the smartest person in, in the room and, and we have a sense of inner confidence, you know, where our strength comes from our intellect. We can have a pride of, of ambition where our, our strength comes from our accomplishments uh, or like our sense of being noticed for our accomplishments or noticed for being, you know, doing something. And if we're not noticed, then we're, you know, our, we're kind of offended. You know, sometimes our we can be, you know, our pride can take on even a reverse role where where we're kind of afraid to maybe take risks because we're afraid of of falling and, and even that there's a, a sense of, of pride that comes in sometimes pride is in you know perfectionism and trying to be to be perfect to follow you know every you know everything perfectly and then we have a sense of okay I'm doing all the things I'm following all the commandments I'm you know I'm set but but all those things they kind of warp warp our sense of, of our finding our identity in Christ and 10 we in, instead find strike that from the Holy Spirit within us, but from our own outward our, our, our outward reactions.
0: Sure, well, look at me, look at how good I am. look at how yeah. well I'm doing <laughs> right yep. yeah yep. All, all of that and it, it brings to mind father um, the prayer, the litany of humility, and I had just pulled it up here as we were speaking, and that's a prayer that I had had a priest years ago. In the confessional suggest, yeah, you, you might try praying through this. It might be a good exercise for you. And once I actually read through that prayer, um, it's a scary prayer, Father. There's so many different things that if, if we really want to surrender our will, that litany of humility, um, I mean, it, it, there's all kinds of things. From It says things like from the desire of being esteemed, of being loved, from the desire of being honored, of being praised, of being preferred to others, all these different things. Deliver me from these, oh Jesus. Uh, from from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, of suffering rebukes, of being forgotten, deliver me, O oh Jesus. And there's one line at the end that really stood out to me as you were talking about, you know, look at how great I'm doing, but if we're doing it on our own. Uh, it starts going into these lines that, in the opinion of the world, others may increase, I may decrease, echoing those words of St. John the Baptist. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. And the very last line, that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. And that line right there, it's, it's stuck with me so much because, like you were saying, Father— our goal is to be as holy as we can be. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's what we're trying to do, right? Know, love, yeah. and serve God, and we want to be holy so that we have the hope of heaven. But that others may become holier than I. Even that one just put me in my place as I was reading through that initially and praying through it.
3: Yeah, sometimes even holiness can become a false idol where we we compare ourselves to others, those around us, instead of to instead of to Christ. But the, the litany of humility. For any of our listeners, if you haven't if you haven't heard of it, you know, put it into your search engine because it's you find it online. It's it is one of those prayers where you, even at mass, you know, at, at mass right before the Our Father, the the priest will pray at the Savior's command informed by divine teaching, we dare to say. And it's always interesting that it's like we we dare to say like we're praying. Like why do we dare to say? Right. But it, it's it's powerful because it reminds us that prayer is a daring thing if we really mean what we pray especially like you know the our father and the litany is one of those prayers where i think it should be prefaced by that as well we dare to say um because there's a daring because there's a daring sense in the litany of humility and, and sometimes we forget we, we can kind of go through the motions in our, in our prayer we forget the daring nature of prayer but the litany of humility is something where if those of you who have prayed it before if you haven't Find it, find it. It's one of those those prayers that it's it, it really is, as you alluded to, Josh. It's a complete kind of emptying of self, and also like conviction. You know, it's it's really a good examination of conscience, even as as we're as we're praying it.
0: Right. Well, and yeah, it, it's. You you really have to mean what you pray in that prayer if if you're actually going to, if you're going to commit to that um, it, it's a scary prayer like you said you know that we dare to pray it yeah it's it can be frightening to think of some of those things and to say okay you know. God grant me the peace that I can actually mean this and live it out in my own life. Um, as we're talking about, you know, that litany of humility, do you have any other practical or basic suggestions of ways that we can grow in humility? What can we do to kind of keep our pride at bay?
3: You know, another good one is, as we're talking about litanies and novenas, another great one is, is the Surrender Novena, uh, made popular right now with Servant of God, Father Dolindo Vertulo. And he was spiritual director for for Padre Pio even for a bit. But he, uh, through the Holy Spirit, wrote an incredible, incredible uh, novena to our Lord, and it's it's actually even prayed on, on the rosary beads of after the meditation. Oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. And that's another powerful just weapon of prayer. Oh Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything because it it grounds our identity not in ourself and our own you know, wants and needs and what we think we need, I should say, but just the surrender and just an acknowledgement, just like Jesus in the garden, like, I can't do it. Like, I'm, I have to think of so many listeners even right now and, and experiences in our in our lives that we just, we're, we're at the end and many times when we're at the end, we give up our own need for control. So the, the, the surrender novena, another powerful in terms of prayer, um, weapon of prayer to, 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 really, to really focus us. And then it's also praying for, uh, praying for the, the, you know, the gift of the Holy Spirit of, of counsel, uh, it's, it's that the, the gift of counsel that, that allows us to recognize, you know, that gives us right judgment, it you know, gives us right judgment to recognize, okay, I'm relying on myself here instead of on God. And so that, that spiritual gift of, of counsel you know, within the gifts of the Spirit is, is also a powerful, powerful weapon uh, to help us grow in, in humility and, and in surrender.
0: Father Matthew Witter is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, and we're talking about how we can live out that idea of surrendering ourselves over to God. Looking at how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, not my will, but your will be done, Father. How have you been able to do that in your own life? How have you been able to say, not my will, but your will be done, God? And if there was an area that you have surrendered, what was the hardest part of surrendering your will? And and what was the best thing, the best outcome of being able to surrender that part of your life? Our studio line, 888 914 9149, 888 Our email address, innerlife at And Father Matthew, we've got Aaron who's listening in Santa Monica, California. Hi, Aaron, you're on the air today here on The Inner Life.
3: Good morning. How are you? Hey, you're doing well. Thanks for calling.
4: Yes. I um... This all started about two years ago. I have been a Catholic all my life. I was a cradle Catholic. Um, two years ago, I was having some very, very serious medical problems, and we didn't know what it was. And um, they had run the doctor had run some tests, and they were narrowing it down. And I was coming into the doctor for the diagnosis. Um. I was so afraid. I was so afraid of what the diagnosis would be. I I had an inkling it was going to be cancer, but I didn't know how bad it was. And just before the doctor came into the room, I looked up to heaven and I said, not my will, but your will be done, God. I need your help. And as soon as I said that, there was this tremendous, tremendous weight lifted off my shoulders. And the doctor came in and he gave me the diagnosis and it was stage 3 cancer. Um, But I, I was no longer afraid. That was the best part of it because I had been holding on to fear so long. And I had been the strength of my family with my siblings and their families and my children. And I knew at that time if I, if I gave up, you know, if I, if I didn't hold on to that strength, that that would cause lots of problems within the family. But after, I, after the weight was lifted off my shoulders, I could give up my fear, number one. Number two, I could realize that I didn't need to be the strong one. This time I had to let others be strong for me. And it wasn't just, this, is, this wasn't just something that happened one time. Over the last two years, I've had like four or five different things that went wrong. I had a stroke and I had, um, uh, I, there were things that went wrong. And, um, and then, I had to, then I had to have my hips replaced. And I thought, you know, if I hadn't, said over and over and over again to myself, not my will, but thy will be done. I would never have gotten over that fear. And it would this has been such a blessed time for me. Because God has shown Himself to me over and over and over again. It's wonderful.
3: Erin, that's a that's a beautiful a beautiful testimony. A beautiful testimony. I like like you said, you, you had to say it over and over and over again. Uh, it's It's been a prayer that's now it's kind of embedded, not just in your mind, but also in your heart, it sounds like. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Can I ask you, you mentioned you'd been a Catholic your whole life. Had you had an experience like that before, where, like you said, you just felt everything kind of lift and you were no longer afraid? Was that a new experience for you?
4: Oh yeah, no. I I had one other experience, um, which was about five years prior to that. I had been in a um, a very toxic toxic marriage, and um, it was to the point where I truly felt I was losing my soul to this to this over controlling person, and and I had been fighting it all along because of fear of failure. I was afraid of of, you know, not living up to my marriage vows, all of those things. And one day I was vacuuming. I looked up to heaven and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I need your help. Show me what to do. Tell me what to do. And not but an hour and a half later, I got a telephone call from my mother who said, do you remember years ago when you said, um, if you ever, if, if, your dad and I ever needed you to give you a call and you would you would be there for me? She said, "I need you now." Really? And within two hours, I was in Minnesota. That was God's that was God's answer. Wow,
0: oh, it looks wow. like finding uh, my soul. There we are. That
4: was
1: great.
3: You know, those are and both of those prayers are, are prayers of surrender, where you you, you recognize. The, I think many listeners probably can relate to that, going into a doctor's office, being in the hospital, knowing something's wrong, not knowing. I think that's that's such a, a story of surrender that so many can relate to, where, you know, at that point, there was nothing you could do on your own, and just that heartfelt prayer, not my will, but thy will be done. It's a powerful witness, and, and how, are, how are you doing now? Is, is the cancer, I know you've, you've been through, like you said, you've had a stroke and some hip replacements. Um, is the cancer gone? Pardon me. Is is the cancer still there, or was that? Uh,
2: no,
4: the is, is cancer is gone. I had to ha- I had chemo and radiation. I had surgery. <laughs> I had several setbacks, hospitalizations, and and things like that, and complications. Um, it was like a. It was kind of like a. Um, uh, a perfect storm of when one thing, was mm-hmm. looking like it was getting fixed, something else went wrong, and then. You know, it just went on and on, and um, through it all, I kept, I, I, I depended on God. I talked to God. I prayed to God. I found Relevant Radio, and I have been so positive through all of it, no matter how bad or how painful it got. I've been so positive. It's been so wonderful.
3: I bet you never would have thought you would have said that (laughs) in the midst of everything you've gone through to say that. It's been so wonderful. That's the grace of God, and that's a powerful, powerful testimony to to surrender and God meeting you in the midst of that, that
0: tough moment. Yeah, Aaron, thanks so much for calling in and sharing how you've been able to live out that surrender in your own life, especially in some of those difficult circumstances. And Father, you know, one of the things that she hit on there was just fear. It's so easy to be afraid when we have those moments that face us in life. Maybe it's not anything even in the same scale of facing a cancer diagnosis like Aaron was talking about, but that fear, it can be paralyzing, but it can also be another obstacle where we want to try and hold on to control. But I love how Aaron explained as soon as she said, you know, not my will be done, but God, your will be done. That fear, it was gone. Jesus had just taken that upon himself at that point
3: just took it upon himself. That's, that's a beautiful way of, of, of saying it, that the fear was gone. And, and yeah, yeah, fear is one of those those strongholds that, that seeks to, to paralyze us. And it, it, fear can be debilitating, can just stop us right in our tracks. And so praise God for that. And many times we're battling fear. It's always so good to have have someone that we can share that with you know that that, that also helps taking the first step in breaking fear and when, when we can share with someone you know the deeper sense of what's going on that helps us also to take that that first step of surrender
0: we're talking with Father Matthew Witter today our spiritual director here on the inner life and looking at how we can surrender our lives over to God when have you been able to do that in your life maybe a specific area that you were able to surrender so that you could love and serve God more fully. What was the hardest part of surrendering your will or that different aspect in your life? And how have you seen the benefits ever since you gave over that control to God? Our studio line, 888 and more to come right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester.
1: If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us. Inner Life at relevantradio.com. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond along with Father Matthew Witter, a priest in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's our spiritual director today here on the program as we're talking about how we can surrender our lives to God. Those different areas that we try and hold on to, what are you holding on to? Where have you been able to surrender in your life over to God, and how have you seen that draw you closer to Christ? Our studio line, you can call in, 888-914-9149, 888 And Father Matthew, let's go back to the phones. We've got Sandra, who's listening in Minneapolis. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to the program today.
2: Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I in according to the topic of today, I... Um, The not my will but yours be done and the hard surrender is giving up control of trying to save my over 30 year marriage to my husband who does not want to be married anymore. And um, I will say that's the hardest thing, brings many tears and sorrow and I keep trying with a variety of ways, professional and personal and it's just not working. So looks like the outcome is is going to be divorce, and that's the last thing I want. I'd rather be legally separated and work on things, but he doesn't want that. So all I can say is the outcome of this is, once again, not my will, but thine be done, and that the, the outcome I'm seeing is that God is near to the brokenhearted, and I see time after time God just comforting me in ways I never dreamed of, even in the midst of great pain and sorrow.
3: Well, it sounds like you're you're still in that in the garden a bit or, or on the cross. That's not an easy situation. Can I can I ask you mentioned God comforting you you in ways that you've never imagined. Can you share a bit of how God has revealed himself in this?
2: Yes, like just even in church, just tears and bathing of God's presence on me so that I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, I know it's healing the pain and I just get in his presence and I just, I do cry. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. You know, the the tears are one of the, I think the most powerful prayers, you know, tears of someone who's surrendered and, and in God's presence, those tears are, you know, those tears are powerful, and oftentimes it's even a share. And many times, of prayer of the spiritual life is the tears of our our Blessed Mother Mary at the cross. And there's there's a lot of power in those tears. And, and you've you've said you've been able to feel God ba- bathing you in His presence before the when you're in church before the the Blessed Sacrament. Yes. Whoever Jesus is, especially in the Eucharist, there is there is healing. There is healing that. That naturally takes place. That naturally takes place. And you, you mentioned, yes, yeah, surrendering the, the will to control. I'd imagine. Can I ask? Do you have Do you have children?
2: Yes, grown children.
3: Okay, and and as a mom and mother, I mean, you, you've always kind of been the person that's taking care of others and probably getting you know everyone, you know, trying to be pulling in the same direction and setting others up for success and. It sounds like at this point Jesus is, is seeking to to bring peace and strength to, to your soul. Mm.
0: Sandra, yes. I, I know my heart is just hurting for you right now, hearing as you're going through this. And I know there's so many other people that are listening right now, and they're lifting you up in their prayers as you're dealing with this. So um, be assured of those prayers right now. And actually, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist uh, in our chapel here a little later this afternoon. So again, be assured that I will remember you and my prayers there. And thank you for calling. And, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about your husband. At the same time, you know, there's always the possibility for reconciliation. There's always the possibility for that hope there. So, Um, You know, uh, that'll be part of my prayer. I know that might not happen. I know that might not be the reality of what, what you know, takes place if your husband doesn't want that. But I believe that God wants every sacramental marriage to continue on, uh, as we, you know, say in our vows, till death do us part. So I'll be praying for you, Sandra. And, and again, I just can assure you that so many other listeners right now listening to what you're going through, they'll be praying for you as well. And Father Matthew, you know, we, as we were talking— Before coming into this segment, uh, one of our producers here, Nick, he had actually brought up the uh, story of Joseph in the Old Testament, and where he had been sold into slavery by his brothers, um, he ends up being in prison for years. He, uh, because of a false accusation of trying to go after um, this person's wife, Uh, he ends up eventually becoming second only to Pharaoh in Egypt, and he ends up saving so many people because of the way that he's able to provide for the entire area, the the, the region there, um, when they know that famine will be coming. And when his brothers come before him, we have where he says, I forgive you, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good, and that's why his brothers are worried You know, our father just died. Is our brother the second most powerful person in this entire area, this nation here? Only to, you know, Pharaoh is is more powerful. Is our brother going to seek vengeance for what we did to him those years ago? And that, that line, my mom, she's always said, it's her favorite line. She said, oh, if I could just be like Joseph in my life, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But when we go through those moments of difficulty, the hardships, the sufferings, it's so natural to think, you know, did I do something bad? Is God punish me, punishing me for this? But to remember there might be some reason God is bringing us through some of those difficult moments. There, there might be some reason that we just can't see here and now.
3: Yeah, and sometimes Joseph's story and Sandra's story what she shared, sometimes things look really bad, really bad before they look good. And that's as you laid out Joseph's story, things looked really bad, really bad, you know, separated from his family, sold you know, and then he finds himself in prison for some time. Sometimes things look really bad before they before they look good. And you're right, sometimes when things look really bad, the lie that oftentimes that's presented to us is, you know, God. God doesn't see me. God doesn't notice me. God has given up on me. I've I've done something where God is is no longer you know going to to care for me. I can't trust God anymore. And I think, especially in those difficult times, uh, Sandra talked about as many are going through, and and Joseph, it's so easy in those those moments where it just looks really bad before it looks good, but it looks really bad to to believe the lie that, you know, God, God is not going to look out for me. God is punishing me. And and that often closes, you know, kind of closes us in on, our, on ourselves even more.
0: Yeah, well, and the other part of that there, too, is not only does Joseph give us that example of that we're, we're not closed in on ourselves, as you say, Father, you know, we're able to say, "Okay, God has something good in store for me, even if I don't see it right now." There's also the aspect that Joseph was willing to forgive, and that can be so difficult when we're hurt by somebody that that is close to us, somebody that we love, and if they hurt us, and that is part of that. You know, with Joseph, with his his own family, his own brothers that are the ones who do this to him. Um, you know, Sandra's going through that with her husband of thirty plus years that she talked about. When it's that someone that's really close to us, that forgiveness can be very difficult to offer.
3: Yeah, and many times it is it's those who we love the most also and closest to us also have the greater capability to to hurt us the most. And we it's so easy to, to hold on to those resentments going back to what we talked about before we make those those inner vows then that kind of close our, our hearts off in, in instead of forgiveness and, and forgiveness Forgiveness is the way when we forgive someone that allows the, the you know the air of God's grace to to flow back through that that part of our soul and to uh, to offer freedom to do freedom for ourselves and freedom for the person that that hurt us. But forgiveness is critical, and, and the story of, of of Joseph especially, you know, all of Israel, you know, and God's plan for Israel, the twelve tribes of Israel, really really hung at that point on joseph's capability to forgive even more important than any military battles that would come up as they you know would eventually cross into the promised land later like it really first and foremost hinged on joseph choosing to forgive instead of hold on to vengeance who knows if they would have even ever got to the the promised land if he had not chosen to forgive and so often in our own lives, that could be where we find ourselves. God has a place that he wants to move us. God wants to move us out of that that, that dark spot, out of that that, that place of, of pain. But uh, we don't want to forgive, and so we're stuck.
0: Yeah, well, and as you're saying that, too, it's making me think, the story would have just ended right there if Joseph would have said, no, nope, right. not interested in forgiving you. We wouldn't have yep. had this beautiful, triumphant moment where we see love, and mercy and forgiveness that are bigger than the grudges that might be held there. We see that borne out in Joseph. And so, yeah, uh, otherwise, if he would have just, you know, said, nope, uh, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to deal out what you dealt to me. <laughs> well, then story's over. There's nothing there.
3: Story's over. And just to use that word, mercy, such a, a key per key word. God, God is mercy, you know, the, the divine mercy chaplet. Jesus is mercy itself, mercy incarnate. And that, that sense of, of of mercy allows us to, to open our, our hearts back up. And when we offer someone mercy, when we offer some, someone forgiveness, and, and it starts within our own prayer life. It's sometimes based on situations we can't necessarily, perhaps the person that's hurt us has died, perhaps for various reasons, we can't see them face to face. but We can forgive them within our prayer. And whenever we forgive someone, it's it's such a sacred, intimate thing to do because when we forgive someone, we, we draw—there uh, aren't many things that draw us closer to Christ than in the process of truly forgiving someone. Because when we truly forgive someone, we, we do what Christ came to do, to forgive. Right. And so we're sharing in Christ's uh, mission.
0: Well, Father Matthew, as we're down to about our last uh, 10 seconds here, could I ask you to give a final blessing to all of our listeners?
3: We just pray that the power of God's blessing would come over each and every one of you. Father, the Son, and
0: the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Matthew Wetter, thank you so much for being our spiritual director today. I also want to say thank you to Jim Shaper, Patrick Alog, and Nick Sentevich for uh, helping run everything behind the scenes here on The Inner Life. If you missed part of the earlier portion of the program, you can always go back and listen to the podcast. And you can find that at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Of course, Mass is right around the corner, coming up next here in just about 20 seconds. And uh, let's see, Father Rocky. Father Rocky's back in this, our celebration. Have a good rest of the afternoon.